Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, JP, with you until one in for Patricia today. Bernie taking your comments on 0818-103-103 or you can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. You can email across the show corktoday at c103.ie. And ahead this morning, high energy bills are making long-established business owners rethink their future plans. We're going to speak with the well-known Baldy Barmer in Blackpool. Uh, he has received an electricity bill of over one. 1,000 euros and we have heard from retail shops, mainly the local stores because of their refrigeration units, so the cost that they have received by way of an electricity bill. And we'll hear from him this morning on what really is driving up that cost when you run a hair salon and the future for small businesses like his one. And the debate of cash versus card, well that continues in the GAA world and Carberry GAA chairperson Aidan O'Rourke, he is asking for a single cash gate when it comes to to Cork GAA Games. We'll speak with him this morning. And we're going to hear about this mega trawler of the Cork Coast, which seemingly catches everything in its path. And local fishers, well, they're not happy as it's hampering on fish stocks, but also it can seemingly affect the environmental aspect of the ocean. We're going to speak with the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation on that. On our insurance segment, we'll be discussing flood risk under home insurance. How many people, when they go along and get your home insurance and you then you are told that you will not have flood risk cover or uh, you'll be paying a higher premium even though you don't live in a flooding area but some towns for example Formoy, Mallow, Bandon parts of the city as well are still being identified as flood risk areas and that is increasing premiums when it comes to home insurance. We'll discuss that this morning and after 12.30 Annalisa Drizel will join us. She'll be answering all your nutritional questions. If you have a nutritional question for Annalisa get that into us. She'll join us after 12.30. Some that are more to come and again lines open 0818103103 or you can text or indeed WhatsApp 0862103103 but uh, public representatives say they hope the former convent in Dunmanway can be restored following a major fire at the weekend uh, Gardaí are investigating an incident of criminal damage in connection with the blaze on Saturday evening and our news reporter Murray Tuig joins me on this good morning to you Murray 
Good morning, John Paul. Now, as I said, this took place on Saturday evening, just around seven o'clock is when we got calls and, and texts here regarding this. And it didn't stop there because the fire broke out again in the early hours of Sunday morning. Absolutely, yeah. So as you say, it happened just before 7pm on Saturday evening and then uh, the, the emergency services were back there again overnight uh, into Sunday morning and it was the fire service from Dunmanway, Clannacilty and Bandon responded and they brought that incident on Saturday evening under control. Now as you said there, uh, John Paul, the public representatives are hoping that the former convent can be restored following that major fire, but Gardaí are investigating it now as an incident of, of criminal damage. Now I was in touch with Gardaí Press this morning and they they said there's been no update as to that statement that they issued yesterday. So it's still going that there's no arrest been made and that their inquiries are ongoing. And have they any idea on how the fire started and quickly spread? It's an old building, so I suppose the fire would spread easily. But any idea on how it started or are they still investigating that matter this Monday morning? So what they're saying is that, that the, those investigations and inquiries are ongoing. I'd, what I take from that is that, you know, the, the fire services themselves would investigate as to, you know, what's, what caused a fire. And, you know, Gardaí are involved in that investigation that led them to to establish, you know, that they're, they're investigating it now as an incident of criminal damage. They haven't disclosed exactly how that fire started, but they are investigating it as an incident of criminal damage. But as I say, no arrests have been made at this moment. And I'm sure if anyone did have information that you know that they would like to to give to the Gardaí I'm sure the Gardaí would appreciate that to support them in this investigation because I know a lot of locals were, were really shocked and saddened you know I'm sure many people in John Manway and surrounding areas would have fond memories of the convent when it was you know in, a, in its former glory and lots of public representatives are saying they'd like to get it back to that former glory and get it back to you know that it's, uh, it would fix it up because there's been some pictures um you know online and you know we saw the fire and the smoke bellowing out and it's a really sad sight to see and even seeing it now with that fire extinguished but seeing what's left of it it's quite a sad sight to see and you'd see comments on social media posts you know I suppose on stories reporting fire and pictures and things like that and local chat groups and people are quite sad to, to see it the way it is now. Yeah they are indeed a historic building in Domanma. We'll wait and see what happens investigation wise for the moment Murray. thanks for joining us our news reporter uh, Murray. two week local councillor Declan Hurley also joins me on this from Dunmanway. Good morning to you Declan Good morning, John Paul. Uh, you've seen the damage. Uh, looking at photos, it does seem that it is uh, badly damaged uh, from right across uh, the aspect of the building. Yeah, JP, unfortunately, the section of the building that did catch fire is extensively damaged, but thankfully, um, the, the remainder of the building um, is, is intact and, and hasn't been um, scarred by the fire. And again, I think that's credit due to the county fire services who were quick on the scene on Saturday evening who got the fire under control. Uh, and again, as Moed was saying there, there, there was a second, um, um, fears of a second fire breaking out early Sunday morning. But again, thankfully, that didn't develop because fire crews came more quickly on the scene and, and that was um, got under control again. But again, it, it's a lot of sadness and heartache around the town locally to see this beautiful building, a uh, building that was built in the 1880s. Um, uh, so you can imagine a lot of the hist- uh, very historic building in, in the Manwell's culture and people are very saddened to see uh, the state of it this morning with um, that section of the building that's severely damaged by the fire. Yeah, and as, as Murray mentioned and you touched on it there, the historic uh, of the building, the significance it has to Dunmanway. I mean, it was a former girls' school, also near the old secondary school. And when we uh, had the news on Twitter on Saturday night, the amount of people who were tweeting us and, and quoting the tweet saying, look at this, uh, it brings back so many memories, but a shame to see a building like this burn uh, in Dunmanway. 
Absolutely, and like obviously, look, we we all have our our memories of our school days, be they good or bad or positive or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, um, it's it's somewhere we got um, educated, and obviously they hold fond memories for a lot of, uh, particularly the, the the girls who attended at the time. Um, like in the late in the nineteen nineties, um, that secondary school amalgamated with the vocational school, a mixed school here in Demanway, and there was a new secondary school built in MICC, and obviously. The daughter charity then left the man where the building was sold and it's privately owned now and there are plans hopefully in the future to develop it into something bigger and better for the town. But um, I suppose locally again it's just that it's just an old building and you can and again I suppose we see over the weekends the the intensity of the fire the breakout how how quick it got hold of the building because of the the nature of the building it's so old it's 134 years old so again you can imagine that dry timber in the structure which basically like crack of a match was gone up in flames in a very short space of time. Yeah, it would go up very fast. And as there was sadness across the town of the manor watching it burn, first of all, who owns the, the building there at the moment, the old company? Well, it's, it's a local building company that they have purchased, purchased it in there. They're known locally um, in, in the town. And again, at the time, they, they bought it, like obviously, as a going concern to develop the site and um, safeguard the building and, and develop something that's, that's going to be, I suppose, positive, have positive potential for the town. Um, unfortunately, recession kicked in at the time, and that those plans didn't happen. But look again, hope is there. The, the, the remain of the building is still there to be developed, and hopefully, the damaged section of the building can be restored uh, to its former glory. So I think there's still hope there for the building and the site itself to be developed. But again, that's up to the owners um, what plans they have um, to develop it um, from again after the investigation to see how how extensive the damage is. Do we know those plans? No, no, not yet. Obviously, um, there has been attempts in the past. Uh, to develop sections of it, but there the, there was an issue over a, a master plan. But again, at the time, e- e- the economic climate didn't allow for a master plan to be developed. But um, I, I I know for locally that there is plans um, on on paper to develop it. But again, they they need finance and they they need backing. But obviously, uh, unfortunately, the events over the weekend obviously are going to throw that back again further. And what would you like to see happen with this site, Declan? Well, it's 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 quite a significant site in the town. It's it's elevated. The site is overlooking the town itself. Um, the building itself could easily accommodate maybe a, a little hotel. And I suppose what was said over the weekend was the unique characteristics of this building is it has a, a, an internal church um, in the the building. Obviously, with the daughters of charities and the sisters, they had a church um, designed and built into it when the building was built back in the eighteen eighties. And again, you could easily see maybe that being used for maybe weddings or civil ceremonies and uh, having a functional map or so. I, I think the building is open to a lot of potential. Um, but I, I think at the moment we have to assess the damage and see what um, what can be for salvaged from the damaged part of the building. But I think, look, from where the location is and the nature of the building, um, I think there's a lot of potential there for, for the development going forward. And that church you mentioned there, it, does that remain within the convent building? Was it affected by the fire? Oh, that's unknown yet. I'm, I'm hoping it has been um, has been saved. But again, I, again, we just don't know what uh, from the external. Um, a lot of the building seems to be kind of saved, but internally, we don't know how what the extent of the internal damage is. But we're hoping that the church section of that building has been has been uh, saved.
Okay, well, for the moment, Declan, thanks for joining us this morning on uh, that update with the investigations that continue regarding the fire at the former convent in Domanway. That is a local councillor, Declan Hurley, joining us from Domanway. Also, our news reporter, Mairead Tuig. Orla has been in touch. She is looking at other buildings like the one in Domanway convent-wise. And she says, if you look at the Ursuline convent in Black Rock, the former uh, convent, that was redone, changed. And it's now apartments, or a lot of it anyhow, is now an apartment block that are quite expensive if you want to buy them. So something like that could be done uh, with the old convent in Dunmanway. Uh, while Jerry is asking about the old convent in Yole, he says surely something should happen with this building as well and that could be converted either to a hotel or indeed to house so many who are coming to this country or indeed again turn into apartment blocks maybe. Uh, while Frank is uh, talking and uh, commenting on this, he says it's a shame to see old buildings like uh, the former convent Convent in Dunmanway uh, go up in smoke. Something needs to be done to preserve these buildings and make sure they are used. We are in the middle of a housing crisis, so how can we leave these large buildings lie idle? Look at St. Kevin's in the city. Again, lying idle, and while a lot of these old buildings, like St. Kevin's and like former convents, do bring back bad memories for the older generations, the younger generations are none the wiser. So if they are turned into apartment blocks, they will not be aware of what was there beforehand. Plus, if a building is redone, you'd hope the bad spirits are gone. Uh, says Kevin on a text to 0862 103 103 WhatsApp on the same number or indeed call Bernie with your comments across the show 0818 103 103 and in the political world there could be a storm brewing because uh, the Green Party TD, uh, this is Nessa Harrigan. She has declared that she will support a Sinn Féin motion and uh, this is all on extending the ban on evictions. It's going to go tomorrow, isn't it? Tuesday, they're going to have the vote on this. Uh, there's also going to be a protest outside Dáil Éireann tomorrow regarding this eviction ban and the housing crisis in this country. Uh, so uh, she's turning away seemingly on the Greens and while that was happening late last night, uh, the independent uh, TD for Tipperary, Michael Lowry, he has warned the government that they cannot rely on supports from the independents also if it does face that confidence motion in uh, 10 days' time. There's going to be two motions seemingly. First one is the Labour Party one and then Sinn Féin are saying that they will again bring a motion. So we could have two motions. It's going to be a, a pressurising week uh, for the government within Leinster House and you'll hear more, a lot of more on that I'm, I'm sure across the week uh, on what will happen with that eviction ban. The governments are really have their foot done on this and they say it's going to come in and that's it and they want things to move on but the opposition parties by way of Labour and Sinn Féin have motions now in place and we'll wait and see what happens with those motions uh, if independent TDs are changing their minds and also uh, from politics to sport and what a great weekend it was for Irish sport and the Six Nations Grand Slam on Saturday uh, in the Aviva and then we had it yesterday here in Cork at Musgrave Park with the under 20s and they really uh, brought joy to the country with those wins over England both champions of the Six Nations uh, on Saturday and indeed yesterday and Dancing with the Stars if you were watching that last night a lot of people were following this over its long run on RTE well it was Carl Mullen who was the winner he picked up that big glitter ball trophy along with his dancer Emily Barker last night were you happy with that? There was always mixed views when it comes to Dancing with the Stars by way of who's better who's a better dancer who should have won Uh, so your views are welcome on that was that the correct winner text or whatsapp 0862103103 
0862-103-103. I mentioned Dancing with the Stars and the winners, who of course was Carl Mullen, uh, who won that yesterday evening along with his dancer, Emily Barker. Well, on that, Michael is in Castletown Bear and he says, Hi, John Paul, what a fantastic week gone by. A week to be remembered for Ireland with massive success at Cheltenham, finishing off the holiday with numerous St. Patrick's Day parades, plus two Grand Slams and the final of Dancing with the Stars. However, Michael says... Uh, the only thing he didn't agree with was that results from Dancing with the Stars. He seriously thought that the outright winners should have been Damien McGinty and Kyle Vincent. Uh, Michael says that Damien, who never danced to me, was the outright winner and the final performance they gave last night, especially with Damien, will never be seen again on TV. They were robbed, says Michael in Castletown Bear. Do you agree with him? Let us know 0862103103 by text or WhatsApp or you can call Bernie 0818103103. But speaking of being robbed, a lot of people who run businesses feel they are being robbed by the high cost of electricity. We'll speak with those next. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Many Cork businesses have struggled through the energy crisis, but one Cork businessman says while costs continue to increase, it could spell the end for his business. And the well known Mick Moriarty, also known as the Baldy Barber in Blackpool, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Mick. Morning, JP. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. I mean, we're, we're being told at this stage that things should be levelling out when it comes to energy and energy bills, but your latest bill would suggest the opposite. Yeah, my previous bill was two hundred and thirty-seven euro, and the bill previous I was uh, four hundred, and this bill was one thousand two hundred and twenty-six euro twenty-one cents. It's a massive it's increase. A massive increase. And we were closed. We were closed for 10 days, 10 days of that period during the Christmas. After Christmas, we took time off. And do you get a breakdown of what usage you have from the hair salon or what's using the most energy? No, I don't. I don't. But what did happen, and it also happened to another lad in Blackpool business, uh, the guy who's my agent who signs me up for the deals, I was 29 cent a unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, look, you're out of contract. He said, it'll go for a few weeks. And I said, I will. Okay. And it soared up. His bill was a smaller business than mine and he was 1100 and something and mine was uh, 1200 and something, 1226. Crazy. And do, and do you think it's because you're just out of contract from them? It was out of contract. I'm back in contract now, JP, again, at 45 cents. So I'm going from 29 cents per unit up to 45, and I asked the, the lad who does my, the, the agency for me, I said, can you project, I said, what the bill will be in two months' time? And he did, 820 euro. That's provided that the weather will be getting better and that some of the heating will come off. I have only two heaters, one in the front of the shop itself and one in the back where we have a cup of tea. And within the hairdressing industry, I suppose, and all hairdressers, what is the biggest use of equipment that you have that would cost the most to run? What uses up the most energy? Because when we spoke to small stores and corner shops, it was for them the refrigeration units. So what's your biggest energy? Well, I, I would say the heaters would be my biggest, uh, JP. And also a hot towel steamer that I have for hot towel shaving. It's the very, very old hot towel steamer and the same principle as a kettle. So, like, I have to put on every morning case as a hot towel shave comes in. Because if you came in for a hot towel shave at 11 o'clock and uh, you were there and it was cold, it would take a half an hour to heat it up. 
you know, there's so much yeah. water. And people aren't going to wait these days a half no, an no, hour. No, no, no. If you're in business, you're in business. You're going to give a service, you give a service. And that's it. And you're not alone. We've got calls over, once I mentioned this, at 10 a.m. We've got a lot of calls from other businesses, be that hairdressers or local shops or butchers and more, who were in the same situation you were and all asking the same question. I mean, even when you get that deal you did make, it's still going to be roughly around 800 euros. It's a lot of money. And are businesses going to be able to make enough to pay these costs? Because that's just one aspect of your business. You have more costs coming in, like rates, I'm sure. And, and well, other I, I, got my, I got my rate bill from my sparkle shop last week, just nearly 1500 And as I, as I was insuring my house uh, myself, I was on to my insurance broker. I said, what do you think the cost will be in April? I said, for my, my shop. And they said, over 2000 from 1500 Wow, that's a lot. With, 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 with no claims. So I got I got twelve hundred and I got fourteen hundred something for City Hall, and then up two thousand. So, like I mean, and we are down thirty five percent because we haven't picked up since uh, COVID. And why do you think that is? Well, you have a uh, home industry big time, but also twenty two years ago, twenty three years ago, fifteen barber shops in Cork City. Now at least one hundred and fifty, I believe. One of the younger barbers they went away and did a survey on it uh, to see how many shops were there. So you have an increase in competition, but when you say the, the the home side of things, is that people at home doing their own hair, or is there oh, yes. others? Big yeah, time. yeah, big time, big time. So since the lockdown, those of us who work shaving off our heads more or less and, and would, it would are sticking mean, to that. It wouldn't necessarily mean that there's a barber going into the house. It would mean that the mother or the wife is cutting the, uh, the children's hair or the husband's hair, because some of the haircuts you see, you said straight away that's, that's a home job anyway. You know? Yeah, you'd know straight away if it was oh, done. Oh, you would know straight yeah. away. Yeah. Know? And that goes back to the lockdowns when we couldn't go in. People learned then how to, uh, whether it's good or bad, as you say, how to cut their hair. And if they can save money, uh, that's why they're doing it. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I, I can't blame people for doing it. You know? I mean, I admire the people who cut their own hair at home who didn't try and get a barber or a hairdresser into the house. And that annoyed me. And I know a good few people who uh, got people into the houses and people that I know. I was very upset one person, and a, a, a friend of mine, he, no, he wouldn't be a great customer of mine, but he did tell me he got a hairdresser into his, into his house. I couldn't believe it. I said, you could, everybody could have got sick in the house. And he was a taxi driver. Okay, we were. And I said, hang the while, I said, you were people in your taxi. And you were a stranger inside in your house, they said. You broke all the, all, all the protocol. So th- those type of people that annoyed you during the height of the lockdown when when some barbers were still working away? Oh, yeah, and getting paid 350 for staying at home. Yeah, there was a, a double, I, I a double no, take. I got nothing for staying at home, GAP, because I'm over age. I'm, I'm a pincher, right? I'm 74 years of age. And I'm 57 years at the game, and I, and I stick by my books. I was closed last Friday for Good Friday, or, or um, Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. it's our national holiday. I've never opened my life on a Sunday. My father before me, we, we went by all the guidelines as we've been along all our lives. And now you're being hit by the big bills, even though you did go by the guidelines. How long is your yeah. shop open there? Uh, my father started off in Merchants Key in 1937, and I started in 1966 on the 13th of March in Merchants Key. And he opened the second shop in Blackpool in 1960, and I took it over in 1970. So I 57 years clocked last week. It's a Back long time, a long time long to be running a business. And I, I, I have two customers, the JP, who come into me. Michael O'Brien, originally from Bellaby Hand, living in, in Blackpool. Over 80 years, 84 years, coming into the shop. 
and Tim Crowley from Blarney over eight years going into the shop. And they're coming in as long as as long as you're open. Yeah, yeah, my father before me. I have five generations now coming into the shop. That's great though, isn't it? It's fantastic. It is. It's great. It's great. I, I love meeting the people and it's fabulous, like, you know. Oh, and you I, must I, meet I, a lot of people over the years, a varied amount of people from where you oh, were I there. Have, oh, I have. I have. I've met some great people. In actual fact, there was a lad going to college and his father was the, the surgeon waiting to the cheek of a man, Ellie, and uh, he brought his father and mother into the shop and the father got a haircut the hat out shave. That was one of the best moments of my life. I had still a black in my shop one time. Surprise, surprise. Did yeah. show from there? Yeah. When did she come in? About 25 years ago. And what was her reason for going into a barber shop? It was it was a, a lady uh, called Kitty O'Donovan in Great Wilmer Bride Street. She was a great dancer and her brother Joe was a great dancer. And uh, Kitty was a great neighbour for other people in, in that cool area. And they gave her still a black hair. Surprise, surprise. Someone nominated Kitty as, as, a, as a, a great community person. And uh, so was Kitty in, in your store when she got the nomination? Oh, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was done at her house. At her house and okay. Then down, and then they came out to the shop and she did a bit of dancing floor for us <laughs> and all that. So, we, so we, we made ITV that time. And, and what then, was Silla like uh, as a person in your barber lovely. store? Lovely. And her husband, Bobby, they were the nicest people. And the crew that we were with, they were a bit demanding. The only thing I had for about four or five weeks was that I couldn't tell anyone not even my wife, that was happy on the day. Because I had to air on ITV first before you, you could say anything. Yeah. Quite correct. <laughs> you know, I, I, on the morning, I said, uh, the Silver Black is coming today. And she I couldn't tell you, because I was asked not to tell anyone. And, I, and that was like I kept my mouth shut. Well, that's some stories you have over the long period of, of time in business. And to keep the business going now, yeah. like I'm, I'm seeing here on text from people who are saying they have to dip into their savings to keep their own business, private business yes. going. Are you in that situation, Mick? I am. I've already done it twice and I'm just checking my bank there now where to go. The money was taken out today, the 1200 euro, but the call has been taken out this morning, but lucky enough, when I got the bill, I got a phone call from board guard to know that I want to pay in installments and I said no because if you're paying installments, it's never, never, you don't know how long you're going to be paying it for. So I said, oh, I have a few bob and I'll, I'll put it back into the business. So it's, it's paid on a lot of it's done today. And what about this government business energy support that we keep hearing about? I mean, is it worthwhile? Well, I've, I've given the, the bill last Thursday to my accountant and I hope I get something back out of it. But you'll have to wait for that. Yes, and yeah. the fairness to Michael, Michael McGrath, uh, what you call it, he obviously heard about it. And he sent me a message to say, don't forget, he says, you can check back, you can claim back, he says, part of that is for, for your energy bill, for useful. Which is, and many will welcome that, but still, while you can claim it back, you must still you're, pay the bill and you must still keep operating the business yeah. while you're waiting for that money back. Quite correct. And like, I mean, you're getting back a small bit, but just to pay no more than you would normally pay. Exactly. And I the might, other I bills. Might get, I might get 300 back, JP, compared to 500 Add up to the last time, that'd be 500, 600 euro. I'm still down 630 euro. Yeah, exactly. And uh, did he say when you get it back? I mean, will it be three no, months, six months? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, it's great to get money back, but while you're waiting for it, you must still keep the door open and pay everything else that's coming your way. So uh, while it's welcome, you'd, you'd like to get a timeline on that. Uh, Mick, well, a lot you, of people... You, you, you could imagine today if the bill was paid and the lights yeah. were off tomorrow morning. And my staff was saying, what's wrong? I said, lads, I couldn't afford to pay the bill. I mean, we, we have no electricity. 
It will cost you about 1500 to reconnect it. Hello? Are your staff supportive of your decisions and, and do they are they oh, aware oh, of how yeah, things are going? Yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't be, I wouldn't have you know twenty four years and he wouldn't blame me if I sought the place. He said he said I can tell you he said it's heartbreaking. I mean it's like Friday morning now, three Fridays in a row. We hadn't even was it, we hadn't even a hundred euro taken it for happiest one. Heartbreaking. And Mick, when you realised how long your business is going there and you've all those wonderful stories of various people you've met over the years, like the one there you mentioned with Cilla Black, uh, it, it is heartbreaking to think that because of what is happening with our energy crisis and companies still making huge profits, that a business like yours could close or you're, you're even thinking about it. I mean, it is heartbreaking when you're there so long. And it is. And the, the, the likes of Borgash and these people don't give a top lead them about anyone. And more, once more, unfortunately, JP at the moment, Mm. And I've never heard so much people talk about prices. And mostly over the price of going out for a cup of coffee, uh, a pint for a pint, and things like that. And they're comparing that to a haircut, which you might get every six or eight weeks. So, like, if you get five or six haircuts a year, like, I mean, I put up the prices two euro uh, two years ago during COVID, uh, when we came back on the 10th of May. I had no other choice. I had four walking chairs. I had five people employed. I did take out one chair, which put me down 25% of my business. Then I had eight waiting chairs. I had to take out five. And I had only three people waiting. And I could only do a haircut every 20 minutes, five minutes to clean and dry the chair, and, and then the staff to wash their hands and come back on. So with the 14 euro, I was down 42 euro every hour that I cut here. And now you're playing catch-up to try and, and make now, something and, back. And I had, I had one or two, I had a, a, a politician on our side, independent, cribbing about the price of haircuts going up. And yes, he went out fighting for the living wage for people around the place who, who want work. And people are entitled to get a proper payment. And I'm not too, I, I don't think I'm a bad employer. I pay more I, I pay more than 12.75 an hour and less than 15 an hour. I don't be giving away their, their wages. But I pay more than 12.75 and less than 15 an hour to my staff. All right, well, Mick, it is a situ- the reality of the situation at the moment for small business owners like yourself, and I can see a lot of others who were in a similar position from other occupations. For the moment, Mick, we, we wish you well, and we hope you do stay in business and we'll stay in touch regarding Please, the energy. I, I hope I can stay in there anyway, JP, because mm. I, I, I want to try and see the 60 for myself anyway, well, and the 90 years for my father, Lord Exactly. No, I think a lot of people w- would as well because it's an institution there on the city north side. For the moment, Mick, thanks for joining us this morning. That is what well, he's effectively known as the Baldy Barber, Mick Moriarty, uh, from his business in Blackpool. The reality of what, the costs of electricity for our businesses as he has there, but also for everyone, uh, the way prices keep going up, up and up. And even though there are supports available, uh, they still are, you're going to wait for those supports. So you still must pay the bills while you wait. And that's just the reality of it. I have a lot more calls and texts from other business people in that situation. We'll get to those across the morning. Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. A number of weeks ago on this show, Councillor Bernard Moynihan raised the issue for the GAA to reconsider their stance on the use of cash to enter GAA games. Now, Carberry GAA Chair Aidan O'Rourke has also called on the Cork County Board to revisit the decision towards cashless ticket sales and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Aidan. 
Good morning, John Paul, and good morning, Phyllis. And thanks for joining us. Many people feel now they are at a disadvantage uh, for tickets for county championship games uh, because many of these now must be purchased in advance. Well, John Paul, I suppose, you know, if we go back to the start, really, and uh, you look at how this came in, it came in during COVID, which was, to be fair, a, a, a tremendous success as far as the county board were concerned, and indeed as far as an awful lot of people were concerned that suited them. But, um, you know, we, we have just a very small minority of people, uh, particularly, I suppose, our elderly people were finding it difficult. They wouldn't have the technology or possibly, you know, the, the modern phone to do such a thing. And they'd have to ask some either uh, family. That wouldn't be too bad. But for people who wouldn't have family locally, <clears throat> it's, it's a, a bit of a chore to, to, to go and ask somebody, some stranger, to, to do something like this for them. Yeah, but, and the know, other thing, Aidan, as well, is that we've got a lot in Texas, last-minute decisions. If you wake up on a Sunday morning and you realise, oh, I think we actually will go to that game today, if there's tickets available, fine, but sometimes they may not be available depending on, on where the game is being played, if it's a, a big game, that is. Uh, well, yeah, the tickets will always be available, to be fair, John Paul, and, and you know, they'll always be available online. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. But, but you see, and, and to be fair, look, as I've already said, So just have a cash gate at some of the venues whereby you just go to that gate, it's cash only, and then that would solve the issue for those who just simply can't go online or, or don't know what to do with online services. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, look, as I've already said, the vast majority of people have no issue at all with the, with the system. But it's just for those people, you know, who, who have been following parts and following their clubs on through the years in, in, in tremendous fashion, to be fair. And uh, Look, look, to be fair now, the Park County Board has been doing great work. There is no doubt about that. They have been doing great work. They put a system in place which is very successful for the vast, vast majority of people. But there are, as I've already said, a small number of people who are just discommoded by the system and, and therefore it is very difficult. And they have said to, to both myself and indeed to other GA people uh, to try and do something about it. And we're just asking the, the, the county board if at all possible to put a system in place, one gate, you know, with a cash entry for those people. And as because you mentioned there, the cashes, 
Yeah, as you mentioned there, though, a lot of people with families abroad, maybe they can't get someone to do or go online and get the tickets for them. But I know the secretaries, as you outlined, have been doing that in some of the clubs. Uh, When you went along or if you've brought this up to the county board, what's their view on this? I mean, will a cash gate actually happen? Do they think it's a good way to do this? If if it's going to happen either in Parky Cueve or Parky Ring, I presume would be the two big venues here in Cork. Yeah, because it is uh, those that have given their life to the GA. A lot of those are the, are the ones that are affected from the calls we get anyhow. Uh, they feel that they're being excluded. And while many people can go online and do go online and it's, it's not a, a big issue for a lot of people, there is a certain cohort that either do not want to go online or just feel that they're being excluded considering they would have played for the local club all through the various years. And now when they want to go to a, a court game, uh, they have to physically have it on their phone. Uh, otherwise, they won't get in. And you can see why they're disillusioned and disappointed, I suppose. Well, look, you know, no matter what system you put in place, there are going to be people not happy with it. There is no doubt about that. And as I've already said, the vast majority of people are quite happy. It's just this very small minority group of people who, you know, and most of them, to be fair, would be elderly people that wouldn't have the technology or, or, or wouldn't have, you know, the computer literacy in that sense. Uh, And just on the Carberry side of things, Aidan, uh, on the games locally, would you operate cash or both? Well, no, what we're doing at the moment, we've been operating cash, but we're looking into operating both to have it, to have a hybrid system, really. So uh, we're looking into that system, the electronic system at the moment, because we have to, because the demand is there for that as well. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have something in place before championship. Yeah, it's the balance of both worlds of the card and the cash. So let us know what happens if the cash gate actually does go ahead, uh, Aidan. For the moment, yeah. thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Uh, thank you. That is Aidan O'Rourke there. He's the Carberry chair uh, of the GAA in Carberry. Your views are welcome. Cash versus card. It's still a big issue when it comes to GAA games, but would that work? A cash gate or maybe a van outside just selling uh, the tickets and taking cash, would that be a solution for those who just simply do not want to go online or those that can't go online? Your views are welcome. You can text or watch. WhatsApp 0862103103. JP, until one with Cork Today, Bernie is taking your comments on 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Ahead, we're going to hear about this mega trawler, which was off the Cork coast last week. Uh, seemingly, it catches everything in its path. Uh, local fishers, they're not happy with this. They feel it's hampering on fish stocks, but also it can affect the ocean, environmental impacts uh, on the ocean that can lead uh, to 
more uh, problems, not only for fishers, but for our coastline. Anyhow, we'll hear more about that uh, later in the programme. And also on our insurance segment, we'll be discussing flood risk under home insurance. But a lot of calls and comments in. First of all, uh, going back to the uh, conversation we were having with Aidan O'Rourke, the Carberry GA person uh, looking for uh, a single cash gate or maybe a van even outside uh, either Parky Ring or Parky Cueve selling tickets uh, for those who want to buy in cash. Uh, a lot of reaction to this. First of all, someone saying here, money, cash is still legal tender. Lots of people prefer cash than cash. And what happens if the electricity goes out? Where will we be then? Cash is king, uh, says this texter. While Miriam uh, says, what happens when you tap and it does not work? Her, her story. Uh, she was in a shop paying for her weekly grocery shop yesterday. And when she went to tap, the card did not work. So she inserted the card. And again, it would not work. Now, she said she knew it was under 50 euro because she had done a shop in another store previous. So it was kind of like a lot of us do splits her shop between two supermarkets to get the best value. So it was around 45 euro. So when she inserted the card again, there was a problem. And the shop assistant was so, so nice and was trying everything, but nothing would work. So in the end, uh, Miriam paid by cash. She said, it was no biggie for me, paid by cash. That was fine. And I went away. Afterwards, though, as I was packing my bags and just about to leave, uh, the assistant had to bring over a manager. Now, there was a queue at the foreman behind me at this stage. The manager came over. They realised that there was a problem with the card machine and they had to install a new card machine from another till and set it up. That all took a few minutes. Uh, but it just goes to show you cannot rely on machines. I was glad I had cash on me. Uh, but as Miriam said, what if I did not have cash? What would have happened? I would have had to wait. And then would they have to have rescan uh, re- everything back into the system? Uh, because the new machine, from what she could gather, had to be linked up to that till. Uh, so it wasn't as easy as everything would mirror over. Uh, so that just goes to show uh, while cash is still necessary in society, uh, what happens when the machines go down? asks Miriam. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And a lot of reaction to Dancing with the Stars. Did you watch the final? Did you watch the show over the last number of weeks? Carl Mullen was the outright winner of that show last night. And Jim, first of all, on text is saying, is it a coincidence that another RTE star won Dancing with the Stars after Lottie Ryan winning it too before? They were all good, but I thought it would have been Brooke, says Jim. And Dan says, the final of Dancing with the Stars needs to return to the judges, dancing experts, and let them pick the winner. That's if it is ever on again. The person with the biggest following and the biggest personality won last night, says Dan on text to 0862 103 103. Well, it does seem that uh, from within the industry that Dancing with the Stars is due to return again. There was talks of uh, scrapping it and maybe putting in another uh, reality TV show instead. But it looks like because of its success, it was getting in over 400,000 viewers in a a time where there's so much television and so much on the phones that people can look at and watch now. It's doing really well. It's probably one of the shows as well uh, that the whole family can sit around and gather and watch it live, which means from an advertising point of view, you're hitting all demographics so uh, they'll be happy with that as well so it does look like it possibly will make a return next year nothing confirmed officially but on on what has happened in the last few months with the success of the programme 
it, it, you would imagine that it will make a comeback but on the winners uh, I mean this year a lot of people on text I see another one here Julie saying well it was a fantastic show and I really enjoyed the final last night I do feel that it was a personality contest and dancing for the last few nights did not come into question the public vote is going on personality and who has the most Instagram followers while I do like Carl and I'm delighted he won there were better dancers out there they need to rethink this for next year says Julie so your views welcome on that one of the reasons they had so many of um, influencers on that show was to bring in a younger audience and that seems to have have worked for them as well when it comes to that show uh, but we'll have to wait and see if it will continue looks like it will and Shinnewill Productions always make fantastic TV whenever they get involved with a programme it always really turns out so well Larry Bass really knows how to produce a good TV show whether that's a take on another show or an original uh, they do as well uh, they are some of your calls and comments on Dancing with the Stars if you watched it last night were you happy with the results and then the eviction ban which we spoke about earlier in the show uh, and what's going to happen with Sinn Féin ahead of its motion to retain the ban. That is going to be debated tomorrow in the Dáil. Already uh, we have heard that the Green Party TD, Nasa Horrigan, that she said she would vote against the government on this and the coalition leaders that uh, they are going to meet tonight to discuss uh, the motion. Uh, and while that motion is going to be debated tomorrow in the Dáil, there's a, a huge housing protest planned for outside Linster House also tomorrow. So a lot of pressure on the government this week and a text on this says so the opposition wants a motion of no confidence to bring down the government so we have to have a general election how is that going to pass legislation in order to deal with the housing crisis if everyone is out campaigning and uh, Dom says while I can see the frustration within government parties and indeed within the Green Party at this eviction ban if a general election is called, how is that going to solve anything? It will only make matters worse. And then we'll have everybody out campaigning and nothing being done in the dull, which means people just will be evicted because the eye again will be off the ball. Everybody needs to sit down, says Dom, around the table and sort this out and stop everybody looking for power, which is what is happening with all these no confidence motions. Uh, that's what Dom feels on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And then uh, this is from Mary asking about homeschooling and what people thought of Antonis and Michal Martin's remarks when he was in New York. He was being interviewed by the Irish Examiner and he brought up uh, about homeschooling. He's basically not a fan of homeschooling if you uh, uh, listen to him or, or read the interview in the Examiner. And it goes back to Enoch Burke again, which is still uh, ongoing. But Michal Martin said that he did not want to come across as sounding patronising, but he said he finds it sad and disquieting that the Burke family found themselves in such a situation at the moment. But he is going back to the homeschooling and he feels that uh, their isolated perspective on life could be one of the reasons why they find themselves in that situation. He goes on that I suppose if you're really in an education within a a national school and not homeschooling, uh, he discusses the importance of socialising and the idea that people could be educated in schools. You're in a classroom, you're in with other people your own age and then they become your friends. You're socialising, you're mixing with a varied amount of different people. Everybody has different views. Everybody does things differently. 
And this is why he says he thinks that children do need to socialise and why he's not a fan of uh, homeschooling. Uh, your views on that? I mean, was he right to say that? Or uh, do you agree with him? Do you think that children and students are better off within a school system rather than homeschooling? Or are you a fan of homeschooling? Have you done that? Have you carried out homeschooling? Maybe you were homeschooled yourself. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to chat to someone maybe who was homeschooled or is in that at the moment for various reasons or another. Uh, 0818 103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Uh, I don't know anybody that was homeschooled myself uh, and I, I wasn't either. I went to a national school and, and um, a secondary school within the school itself. But uh, would love to know if you have gone down that route, uh, and, and is it difficult, and is he wrong? I mean, does it benefit people? Maybe there's too much distractions within uh, the current school system and the current classroom, and maybe you can get more done at home. When the workers, many who still do work from home some days a week, uh, many that we spoke to over the last few years felt that when they were away from the office, there was less uh, distractions. People weren't coming over for a chat or looking to grab a coffee and they got a lot more work done at home than they did in the office. Now, that depending, of course, on their home situation. If there was children within the home for certain times of the day, it didn't. But while they were all in school, it did. And could you apply that kind of ruling to homeschooling. Your viewers are welcome. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we will hear about that mega trawler, uh, which was off the Cork south coast, uh, southwest coast of Cork and Kerry last week. Uh, that's underway shortly. But something totally different. TV couples. Well, a poll that was out over the weekends. This was in the UK. Uh, for the best and most loved TV couple, and this, when it comes to soaps, I would imagine, because they're all all the results are coming from soaps, it was Frank Butcher and Pat, his wife at the time, in EastEnders. They were voted uh, the viewers' favourite and most loved TV couple. They were followed uh, closely by neighbour favourites Scott and Charlene, of course, who were played by Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue and came back for the final of Neighbours, which is back now again, even though it was supposed to have finished last year. It did. It's coming back to our screens again, I think, later uh, this year uh, under a new production company or a new, a new um, I think it's Amazon, isn't it, are going to be behind this with the with Fremantle, the old uh, production company, but it's going to be a whole new change for Neighbours when it does come back. But anyhow, outside of that, where or who would be the Irish couple you would put in there? If you're looking at Frank Butcher and Pat from EastEnders and Charlene and uh, Scott from Neighbours, uh, if you're looking here at Ireland, would you go Biddy and Miley? Would they be the standout ones from the 90s? Uh, look at Fair City, Paul, and how many women has he had in Fair City? What about Helen or Nicola? Or would you look more closer than t- in the last few years, Smother? What about Val? Now she's well able. You wouldn't cross Val after the uh, last few nights if you saw the... Uh, I, I won't ruin it because some people are still catching up I know on player or they recorded it but uh, yeah she's well able uh, so who would you say is your favourite couple when it comes to TV lands uh, let us know text or WhatsApp 0862103103 to lighten the mood on this Monday C103 Jobs a hands-on foreman wanted for business, agri-building and civil engineering contractor is wanted for the Midcork region. You can call or indeed text to 085 
A CNC machinist is wanted for Bandon. You can email your details to tc at reliancepresision.ie. And the Blackbird Bar in Ballycotton requires an assistant manager and senior bar person. You can email your CV to mta1construction at gmail.com. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. The world's second biggest fishing vessel has been fishing off the Cork coast in recent days. The trawler, which is roughly around the same size as 14 regular trawlers, but catches everything in its path, was off Cork and Kerry. And Patrick Murphy from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation joins me on this. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning to you, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. First of all, this is a Dutch-owned vessel that's been off our coastline. Yeah, she was originally built by an Irish company, would you believe it? And she was sold on. And um, she's been all over the world. And a lot of places she goes to now, she's banned. She's not allowed to fish there. But uh, we're a very welcoming nation, unfortunately, to everybody else, bar our own fishermen, John Paul, sadly. Yeah, and you mentioned banned Australia, who take no nonsense with everything, it would seem at this stage. They have banned that trawler. And a lot of owners who operate boats in our own coastal areas here say uh, that this vessel, it can basically uh, catch everything in its path and it can lead to a lot of environmental damage as well in, in some parts of the ocean. Well, I don't want to depress people, no, but you're not talking about one boat. You're talking about four or five of these size vessels coming into Irish water just from uh, the Dutch fleet alone. You could have another 20 of these size vessels coming in now from Norway, coming down to catch blue whiting. As I said, we seem to be a country very welcoming, um, according to the minister's press release there recently, welcoming other boats in. And I just want to make this very simple and very stark for people. Norway are going to get 224,000 tonnes of fish to catch in Irish waters and our boats will be given 50. And our local boats in West Cork will be given uh, one tent. They'll be given around 300 or 400 tonnes to catch and boats in the other part of the country will be given over 2,000 tonnes to catch. We have a very, very um, misplaced industry and the ones that are losing out in this, and I'm really angry over this, is Castletown Bear. We are being decimated as a port. I've been on the airwaves with yourselves mentioning this 101 times. So it's not just about boats coming in. We have to look at the way we give the fish out in our own country. And that's right down to the small inshore vessel um, to get a decent fair of fish to be able to survive. And that's why, John Paul, if you go down every day to Castletown Bear, you'll see the boats literally disappearing in front of your eyes to be sent to the knackers yard, to be sent up to the Shannon, to be cut up. And these boats are worth millions and they're being sold for peanuts. And this and is due to the decommissioning scheme that's it, underway, isn't it, Patrick? It is, yeah. So like this, when people say that the fishes, the seas are being overfished and, and uh, there's no fish left in the sea, well, for God's sake, look at the catch rates at who's catching the fish and stop targeting your own people who are not overfishing who can be shown that they're not overfishing. We again have people standing up in the doll from West Cork TDs 
chasing and targeting fishermen who've spent six trips to the courtrooms just to keep their right to go fishing. And they're told, we're not accepting this. We want the minister come in again and kick these boats out of the inshore to catch fish. Look, they, they, they don't even know what they're talking about. And that's the truth, talking about trawling. And when these boats are not trawling, they're mid-watering. They go in and they target a specific type of fish. They find them with their equipment. They dip into that fish and only that fish and take it and land it and create jobs ashore locally and jobs on Bordeaux boats feeding families locally. It's just incredible. So we're up against it, John Paul, and that's why I entered politics. Maybe that if I could get a platform that I could stop this nonsense and speak out truthfully about what's really happening to the industry, we might save what's left. And Look, as you I, mentioned I just that there... through a couple of things with you. Yeah, just to, okay. briefly, as, as you mentioned there, entering politics, of course, you have uh, come out saying that you hopefully with the um, elections when they go ahead next year, isn't it, for the European elections, uh, you want to run as an A2 representative. And as a lot of what you've mentioned there is regarding rules within in the EU, do you feel the reason you're going along this road politically is to see if you can change anything if you do head to Europe? I have no doubts whatsoever in my mind because I know it, that the laws over there are not being applied properly to Ireland. And I'll tell you why. And if anybody wants to hear this very simply, Brexit was never foreseen. It was an extraordinary event. There was no uh, treaty written to comply with what was needed for Brexit. We lost 25% of our fish. Already we've lost 120 million in the three years since Brexit. And that's going to keep adding and adding 40 to 50 million a year, every year for the foreseeable. So it shouldn't have happened. And the reason why it shouldn't have happened is this. Legally speaking, the common fishery policy gave the management of the stocks to Europe, only the management. It didn't give the ownership. They had no right to take the fish that they weren't catching in Irish waters and trade that as a commodity with the UK. Couldn't have. There was no legal documentation there to allow that. And when I asked this uh, by the people in this country who gave it away, they said, oh, it's illegal now because we signed that it was legal. It's not in the treaties. They're telling lies just the same as when we fought off the Russians. There was five different articles under the United Nations law that said we could have prevented those exercises from going ahead. I never criticised the, the, the political parties before because, you know what, I thought we'd work with them. But they've shown they have no intention. Giving away 224,000 tonnes of blue whiting to a country outside of Europe and when we can't even catch 50,000 tonnes, if that isn't an indicator for the Irish people to tell how you're being governed, nothing will. We got 1.2 billion. I must tell you this now. This is this is how our government treats us. And I know I'm giving out about them now, but the people need to know. We got 1.2, uh, 1.165 billion in funds to mitigate against the damage that Brexit did us, right? Public expenditure get 4.5. Uh, further and higher education get 37.5. Enterprise, 15 million. Foreign affairs, 2.2. Tourism, 7.75. Health, 5.5. Justice, 21 million. Environment and climate, 24 million. Transport, 0.1 million. And now the minister isn't happy with giving that away, which is up to 389 million from the farming communities and the people of this country. He's taking another 150 million now for Power EU, whatever that is. This is what's happening in our country at the moment. And that's why I'm getting into politics, because we're not hearing it. 
And we have to start hearing it because do you know what? Our country is suffering as a result. Every man, woman and child in this country can't even buy a house, can't get into a hospital bed. The list is endless. We can't do up our roads. It has to stop. We have the money. We have the resources. We have to look after it as a people. We can't keep giving it away to other peoples. We have to start looking after ourselves. And Patrick, while you're very passionate there and and, and you are regarding the fishing industry, do you feel that when you hear one of you had lines uh, and every industry, everybody who's within the industry will, will know it. Those outside may not be 100% aware on how it runs. Do you feel those in power are, are that? They don't know exactly how the fishing industry runs and decisions are made and they pass through and then they have to back them up. Look, I, you, I appreciate you giving me the time. So I can only tell you what's happening, um, um, John Paul, right? So we had a plenary, right? That's a meeting between Norway and the European negotiators. So they brought on industry to tell us about that they'd finally... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. reached the deal the other day. Was it on Patrick's Day, I'd say it was nearly was? It was Patrick's Day, actually. It was on Patrick's Day, so we got this news. And the Norwegians came on and they said, you know, we were disappointed that Ireland didn't allow us to go fishing right up to the 12 mile. Why didn't they? Because we stopped it in industry. We said no more giveaways. So we went to Europe, myself, E.O. Donnell and Brendan Byrne, and we fought the good fight in Europe and we won it. And we said no more giveaway. But instead they gave it outside the 15, 224,000. So when the Norwegian representative, I won't name her, said to us that she was disappointed that she couldn't get into the Irish box and she was disappointed with the noise me, E and Brendan were making on the international airwaves. Not our minister, not our department, us were giving out about this. I said to her, I said, look, we joined in the Treaty of Accession in 1972. You as a country decided not to because you didn't agree with how much fish you've given away. The difference is, even though you said there's 500 boats fishing inside your waters from the EU, you're no different to us. We have the same. So to condemn us for fighting for the same rights that you're fighting for, I don't agree with. So do you know what happened? She heard me. 
That woman heard me, and you know what she said? She apologised and said, Patrick, we can't pick out an individual country in the European Union and favour them over that. But we quite, you can be assured, yes, we did make this point to the, in the negotiations, and we do feel sorry for Ireland. So that's the Norwegians having sympathy for us. And we can't get it at home from our own politicians. Not one word from the local politicians. The only man that talks about the fishing industry for us in West Cork is Michael Collins. You, not one word of the others. All this money being taken away from the Irish people and the Irish people, not just the fishing industry. Half of that was to go to the farming communities. Not a word. 600 million gone. Taken away and given to everybody else. No, I'm not saying the other people don't need it. But we were the most affected industries from Brexit, without question. Imagine further and higher education, 37.5 million. The minister gave 63 and up to 75 to get rid of our fishing fleet. And would you challenge them on that? Did did they ever explain why, for example, further and higher education got that amount? Couldn't you, wouldn't that be a lovely thing? So the only one that we got this in a written answer because Peter Tobin uh, asked the question in the doll because we can't get any answers. Minister won't meet us. We're two and a half years now into the operational program from the European Fisheries and Aquaculture Fund. Two and a half years in. How many meetings have we had with the operational things? And I'm on the operational committee for overseeing this funding coming in. How many meetings have we had in two and a half years? None. None. We're having our first one now, and I've had to change my flights to go home to that. And I've spent, I'm going to spend the next four days now going through the legislation to read to see where that's coming. And there's going to be an expose by one of the local papers, please, God, Cork Examiner, on what's going on here. Like, And people's hair will stand on end. But this isn't just about fishing. This is farming. This is about our health service. It's, I'm it's a wider I was an impact. AD instructor. Sorry, it's it's a wider impact you, you feel on everything in society and not just when it comes to fishing it, it will have a wider impact oh, on a, health it, on education on, on the whole system really that runs the country Would you believe we put in a paper into um, Owen Murphy about planning and uh, a way forward from the Irish South and West when he asked us when he met us Blancast and Tom Bear from, from a phone conversation we, I, I promise you as a man that built the house and no friends and, and been involved in, in local politics. There is easy ways to solve the housing crisis for our own people in our own country. Genuinely, no. And I'm not just making that up. But the people that are there don't want to listen. It's too much for corporates, too much for big private companies. And rural Ireland is suffering. This year in the Beira Peninsula, instead of 100 children signing up to school to start school, there's 24. Like, how much more do we have to see in front of our eyes before we realise we're in trouble here? Like The people that are doing what they're doing now is not for our good. It just isn't. Right across the board. Do you know? And yeah, and when you say that, 24, you know, it's a small number, considering that so many rural schools have been fighting and some have seen an increase over the last year, but others haven't. And we have dealt with that before in Beira and other outlying areas of Cork. And just while you're speaking about all that there, Patrick, and, and the funding and the money and what is going on in fishing and how it affects the wider communities across Ireland, as I'm going back to our original discussion, you would then have these mega trawlers, which are off our shorelines. They're hampering on the local fishers. Uh, who many are looking at this and if they haven't decommissioned already are probably going to leave when they see these huge trawlers off our coastline. Yeah, you see, we, we're used to this. Would you believe this? We're nearly 
uh, uh, fatigued from this. We mm. watch 30 lorries being filled every weekend uh, below in Castleton Bay. We fill three or four from our fishing fleet, from the white fish fleet. Not, the, not these super trawlers. They don't come in and land. You see, the problem with them is they process the fish and board their boats. Now, I was talking to Brendan Byrne. They have over 500 cameras on the floor inside in the factories in Killy Bakes that the control agencies can see at all times, whenever they want to. There's nobody seeing these boats. I was told these boats are so big, it's virtually impossible for a control vessel to come up alongside them and get into them. If that's the case, they should be told, into the port, we'll check you out inside there. If we can't inspect you out there, sure, everybody knows what's going on. And I'm going to give another stark statistic here. Ireland has 50% of the European quota on mackerel, yet our boats, the biggest boats, catch their fish in 19 days. What are these fellas doing for the rest of the year? Yeah, and just in order of balance, we, we have to say, Patrick, that the owners of uh, these type of mega trawlers, as we call them, who, who operate them, they say that the vessel does not cause the amount of bycatch claimed and that it actually causes less damage to the marine environment than the traditional trawlers. OK, we've just lost Patrick lost there. It. No, no, I, no, no you're I'm back. back. I'm back. Sorry, somebody, I somebody don't know if you, rang me. <laughs> OK, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that, what I said there regarding I what did. the vessel owners. What do you say to their reaction finally? Well, if they've no problem with that, put, a, put an observer on board. True. Put yeah. a camera on board. Yeah, and then see what, what, we, what's we showing We have to it. do the same. We, we have cameras inside the factories. We have a, a, a massive regulatory uh, way of, of fishing. Like, I'm going to explain this. These boats change their flag and they change it out at sea. I'll explain that to the listeners, right? So this boat has this the uh, Dutch flag on it today. Next week, they could have the Lithuanian flag and then they catch the Lithuanian fish. Next week, they could have the Latvian flag or the Polish flag. So they take over the quotas from the other country. This is why we look for a, a review of the common fishery policy. Back to me going to Europe. I'm not going over there for a job. I'm going over there to make change. I want to use the laws of Europe to make sure that the change happen because we're not being called out. Again, we have a common fishery policy that's in situ since 1972 invoked in 1984. No change in that. And this year they said, oh, we don't need a change. But you see wind farms, environmental, biodiversity, everything, all these new legislations, Green Deal, Farm to Park, come in, and yet we don't need a review. On top of the fact that we lost one third of the fishing grounds that Europeans' fleets were catching inside in British waters. And yeah, we and don't the, need to the fact the that you have the decommissioning ongoing as well, and that is something that is really affecting and that people are just can't figure out why, why that is allowed to happen when we have a huge coastal area and huge coastal waters off, off not only here in Cork and Kerry, but right across the country. A lot of people are referring to the sugar industry. Mistakes were made there, uh, but we haven't learned, says Michael Imalo. For the moment, Patrick, I have to leave it there. It's something we will return to uh, over the next while. But thanks for joining us this morning on the programme from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Uh, that is Patrick Murphy. Your views are welcome on that. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Patrick did outline there that the uh, authorities d- did not go on those megatrawlers. A lot of people asking about that. And why did the Navy uh, not board these trawlers? Surely if they had nothing to hide, then leave the Navy on board. And that is also a good point. Uh, but they haven't as yet. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with these uh, megatrawlers. Your views are welcome. You can call Bernie also on 0818 103 103. This is Cork Today on C103.
Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Thousands of homeowners are being denied full house insurance cover due to living in an area deemed to be at risk from flooding, but some insurance experts are saying that this is now wrong and there are being denied cover is not the correct measure. Well, uh, from our insurance segment, Paul Kavna of McCarthy Insurance Group joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Paul. Hey, good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. This is something we've got a lot of calls and texts on this morning from people who, some are saying they feel they're paying higher premiums as a result and others who just simply cannot get uh, home insurance uh, because of where they live. So uh, how does an insurance company identify houses which they feel are in a flood-prone area? Uh, The vast majority of them and definitely the members of Insurance Ireland all operate on what they call a geocoding methodology, which is basically a computerised system which looks at all the different uh, variations, whether there's been previous flooding, the undulation of the land, and the probability of... probability, really, I suppose, to put it in plain English, of flooding. And um, as, as I said to somebody there recently... When this was all introduced some 10 years ago, I was asked to look at some maps uh, and I said, what am I looking at? And I was told, well, you're looking at um, an area that we're thinking of excluding flood cover in. Uh, and subsidence, by the way, because there's people interested in that as well and both are associated. So uh, I said, well, what I seem to be looking at is a red line going from uh, Skibbereen the whole way to all. And the basic answer was yes. And I said, sure, that's crazy. That's not fair. It's not looked at. It's not been analysed. And the statistics haven't been looked at, especially uh, in the towns of Mallow, Fromoy, Clonmel, and now Skibbereen, Bandon, Clonakilty have been added to that, where defence works have been carried out by the OPW, uh, and where basically, and I'm speaking definitely from Fromoy and Mallow, where we're not being flooded anymore. The, the, the whole area of flooding is gone. And we're not worried about flooding. So when they tell us now we're getting inclement weather, the the, the citizens of uh, Mallow and, and Fromoy and all those other towns, we're all going, yeah, sure, we're fine. There's, there'll be no problem there. So then the question goes, well, what's the problem then? What are you worried about? Well, it's it's not it's not me per se. It's the people who are selling their houses or buying houses or the people in business who need to get loans and need to or want to get into business. And in many of those towns, you just can't get insurance. You and have they not updated these maps, Paul, from the geocoding perspective? They, they, have, they have their own updating, John Paul. And the, the basic, there's a flaw in the whole system. The government have spent at this stage, in the three towns alone, they've spent over 100 million. So let's put a figure of maybe 200 million on what they've spent, and they're about to embark on 120 million here in Cork City behind me in Morrison's Island. So the government are spending this money with the OPW taxpayers' money. Brilliant. There, there's one major flaw in the whole in the whole system when it comes to insurance Ireland, and that is demountable barriers or gates. Uh, and even in the latest plans for Cox City, I see that there are gates. There have to be gates on the bridges, otherwise you couldn't close off a bridge per se unless you build the bridges up into the sky. So. Where there's demountable barriers, and the people in Mallow and Clanmel and Fromoy know exactly what I'm talking about, and, and in, in, in Skibbereen less so because there's less of them, but there are areas where gaps have to be 
covered in when by the council or by the OPW when there's an imminent flood. And accordingly, it, where those areas are insurance Ireland are saying, no, we're not doing it. We're, we're, that's open to human error and we're not covering the risk. And whereas I thought maybe seven years ago when Fromoy was completed that this was all going to go well and this was going to be resolved in time, as you said, when people would start to look at the, the results and the maps, actually not, nothing has happened. Zero. And uh, there's a memorandum, a thing called a memorandum of understanding between the OPW and Insurance Ireland, and you might as well, and Michael McGrath knows this, as Minister for Finance when he was uh, uh, in Fianna Fáil, uh, when they were in opposition, he laid a flood bill in the Dáil. And he knows exactly uh, about the flooding. Uh, Blackpool, Cork City, Douglas has now been fixed. But we still have problems with getting people flood cover in Douglas. So this is a problem that needs to be grasped by the government and, and shake heads together and get people. And it has been compounded by the fact that we had a thing called Brexit in the middle of it all. So a lot of the insurance companies who were willing to talk to us, who were willing to have a look at these things, and were willing to do the insurance, they're no longer here. They're gone. So are we in a situation, Paul, where you have people living in those homes who simply have no flood insurance due to the fact that historically there were towns that would have flooded, or are they paying higher premiums? Yeah, both. Uh, the lucky if you're paying the higher premium maybe and that you have got cover and then there's another group of people as well John Paul that need to be singled out there are people who think they have cover and don't have cover because they purchase house insurance online uh, and they think they're getting their flood cover the same as they always had flood cover and then they discover when there's an incident that there is no flood cover which is crazy and does it not uh, come up and warn them when they buy it obviously not no obviously not if you're dealing with a broker, the broker must specify to you any changes in cover, whether it's whether you're losing cover, are you willing to uh, drop the premium to reduce cover, to lose cover, whatever. But there is no emphasis whatsoever on the insurance companies, on their direct line systems or on their call centres to highlight this to consumers. So I'm just warning. I've come across several cases of it and I'm warning people about it. If you have flood flood cover you need to hold on to it and linked to that and the people of Cork City especially on the south side know exactly what I'm talking about because we've had subsidence because Cork is built on, on sandy soil and we had major problems prior to the Wevan pipe. The Wevan pipe was the greatest invention of them all because you can't really break the Wevan pipe without hitting it with a sledge hammer. So the other pipes that we had before Wevan pipes were clay pipes and they moved in the sandy soil and then the water moved and then more water moved and next thing all of a sudden you had subsidence on the side of a house uh, causing huge problems um, costing somewhere between 30 and 50 and 60,000 to repair. We went through all of that. That seemingly has dried up now because the, where you put in the Wevan pipes and repair it and underpin it and we've got through all that but we're still having difficulty with Cork City. And that still goes back to the geocoding. So if I am, for example, Bandon is another town uh, where they yeah. suffer flooding that has uh, had the works done for flood relief and still there, there's minor works continuing on there. But the majority of businesses cannot get flood insurance in Bandon either. So if I am in Bandon and I, am, I have a house and I go along online uh, and get my home insurance and then afterwards the flood part of it isn't covered. But what if there's a leak in my house? Nothing to do with flooding. If there's a leak, let's say, from the attic down is that not covered either? 
it may not be covered and that this is another flaw in the system that some of the insurers have it's the definition of what flooding is and what storm is and does storm include flooding it's all that type of stuff one particular insurer covers no escape of water and we brought this to the attention of consumers last year to be aware about these products they're they're in my book i call them the yellow pack product but that's not how they're put forward as some insurance companies so, so you really you have to, to be, be careful and get advice because if you go along a poll and your insurance premium is up and you renew it and you just more or less do it automatically you could have a situation where by the subsidence or the floods risk which may have been incorporated in the previous year may not be included the following year that is true however if you're with an insurance broker you do have a comeback but not directly with the insurer, is it? Is obliged to tell you, and your insurance broker is obliged to point it out and show you any changes in the product at renewal. But directly with the insurer? No. No. You might get it in page 32, uh, where, where they will say they cover themselves by putting it on page 32 of, of this document, these huge documents that the, they insist, the central bank insists on these huge documents going out. And in my book, and a, a barrister actually asked for me at the counter one day and said, Would you, can I just please say something to you? If you were in my court, I'd throw you out. 32, 42 pages of a renewal. What are you trying to do to me? You've me confused before we even start. Yeah, you really have to read everything, but people don't have time to read everything you know, when it well, comes to a 42-page book. My advice is go back to the old-fashioned way. Talk to your broker. You have a broker in every town. Come and talk to us. Ask the questions, but don't assume anything. That's my golden rule now with insurance. It's, it's nearly like let the buyer beware. Mm. As, assume nothing. And, and don't say, oh, I think I had that 10 years. I get this all the time, PJ, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking when people say, had I not that cover before, and what did I do? And... Uh, it's gone. It's too late when it's gone. That's the problem. And look, touch wood, we've had no floods, right? Per se, we've had no floods. But the, the problem only arises when you have a flood or when you have a breach of a flood. And then everybody starts running around the place about talking about flooding again. And then it gets swept under the carpet uh, and nothing is done about it for another 10 years. And what do you say to David on text who's in a situation whereby he is living, his address is Mallow, but he says he's living more so in Morn Abbey. But because of his address and his air code, when he goes about insurance, they continue to say he's not covered for flood but he's up on a hill he said if he floods you know Ireland's gone so for people in that situation how do you get over the how do you come around the insurance company and, and he said his brokers as well he's been with a broker before and they had, had difficulty Right well I can tell him quite here and now and you can give him my number if he rings us later on we'll sort him out Okay. There are companies provided you're not down in the stream we have people with streams running out the back door provided there's nothing like that you're up in a hill and we had it here in Cork City Shanakeel Blackpool you know what I mean up in a hill and getting no flood cover flood co- there's about three companies at the moment that we can talk to at least and put a case forward but if you're dealing with an insurance company direct online especially you have none of that it's just the answer is no 
So just be very, very aware if you're online with your insurance and, and read everything, I suppose, Paul, is what you'd say or, or check in with the broker uh, with yourselves even for the moment. Paul, thanks for joining us, uh, our insurance segment with Paul Kavanagh from McCarthy Insurance Group outlining there why you may need to call into your broker if you're in that situation with your home insurance and flood. But if you're online, just be very careful and read everything because you could find yourself in a lot of the situations he's outlined there. Uh, or your views are welcome. Maybe you've been in those situations. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103. It's JP with Cork Today. Bernie taking your comments on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Annalisa Drizel on those numbers. She'll be along after 12.30. If you have a question for Annalisa, uh, get those into us and she'll answer anything nutrition-wise after 12.30 here on the programme. But going back to earlier comments and earlier discussions we had on the programme and first of all, Michael, uh, regarding the, well, what has gone to happen tomorrow, the debate in the Dáil. This is all to do with the eviction ban and Sinn Féin, ahead of its motion to retain the ban, will debate this tomorrow already. Uh, there is unhappiness within the Green Party as Nasa Horrigan, the TD, uh, she has said that she will vote against the government. So this means the coalition leaders are going to meet tonight to discuss this motion and while it seems it's going to be uh, pushing through and debated tomorrow, a uh, housing protest is also planned tomorrow for outside Dáil Éireann. But on this, Michael feels that Sinn Fein are doing exactly what de Valera did with the treaty. He says that they are going to vote against the government on Tuesday night and plunge the country into disarray like Dev who voted against the treaty walked out of the Doyle and plunged the country into a civil war the consequences of which we still have to this present day. Sinn Féin says Michael should think twice about what they are doing and work with the government not against them if they are shown to be constructive and not destructive uh, says Michael in Castletown Bear and then dealing with the fish and the mega trawlers that are off uh, the Cork coast and we spoke with Patrick Murphy from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation and on our conversation with Patrick uh, Michael says as Patrick has outlined he is now uh, joined AN2 and is hoping uh, to run for them for an MEP in the European elections which will be held next year Michael says well he will make a good politician he can talk and ramble with the poor mouth. How much have the fishing industry got from Europe and how much of it have they squandered away? If they can't make money out of fishing at this stage, then get a job says Michael in Mallow uh, while somebody else is saying Patrick of what he said is like a breath of fresh air Ireland just needs to re-collaborate its political systems and we need a common sense advocate like Patrick to speak the truth while a listener in West Cork says Patrick just explained to the people of this country how useless and out of touch our politicians are becoming. The best way to sum up our politicians, says this listener uh, is they're a circus of clowns in Doyle Air and that's according to that listener on a text to 0862 103 103 on homeschooling which we touched on earlier. This is the Tonishta in an interview with the Irish Examiner in New York said he wasn't a fan of homeschooling we were asking if anybody was homeschooled or knows of someone who maybe went through the homeschooling system. Tom is in Bantry 
And he remembers when he was growing up that a family came over from England in the 80s into the early 90s. Two boys and two girls. But they were all homeschooled at night and worked on a boat uh, mussel farming during the day. So the two boys went up to Donegal Marine College. They got their master tickets and the youngest ever uh, to get those tickets. They both now have great jobs. So homeschooling did them no harm at all. And Don says regarding this, there are going to be different views but a lot of the views depends on the parents uh, the children are going to become a product of the parents teaching so whatever the parents outline uh, the child will follow uh, thank you for your text and whatsapps regarding homeschooling and also uh, going back to what we spoke with Paul Kavna from McCarthy Insurance Group on our insurance segment to do with flooding and a Killarney listener who has a rental property in Bandon had a query regarding flood insurance for that property and he was aware that Bandon did have a flooding history and thankfully that has now been sorted but he says his house was on Kilbrogan Hill so he said I could not go up any further next up heaven but the insurance company was very awkward about the issue and this listener in Killarney said he felt or she felt it wasn't very fair uh, the way they were dealt with and yeah Kilbrogan Hill an area where there has not been flooding unless a drain or something has gone wrong uh, but when it comes to the river in Bandon I mean Kilbrogan Hill would be far away uh, or high up anyhow for uh, any flooding not to occur uh, while in areas of the town centre say like McSweeney Quay or South Main Street or uh, those areas that they were affected but certainly yeah, and, and that's what we were explaining earlier on regarding how the insurance companies look at a map and they just see Bandon and they don't see Kilbrogan Hill but for those who know Kilbrogan Hill you know uh, that if it floods there you're really in trouble if the water goes up that high uh, thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 and uh, back to Dancing with the Stars uh, a lot of people uh, have mixed views on who uh, should have won uh, first of all someone saying that fair play uh, to Carl Grace with the result people will always moan they'll never be happy but I think uh, Carl was a deserving winner and I'm happy with his win so hello to you on text and also uh, somebody else uh, this is Anthony who feels the Dancing with the Stars show was an absolute disgrace with the result Damien was brilliant even the ju- judges uh, last night commented on how amazing his dance was and uh, Brooke also should have won this public vote counts for nothing and the money goes uh, to the production or does it go to RTE but they have already chosen the winner from the start uh, feels Anthony who wasn't happy with the outcome of Dancing with the Stars last night and staying with TV and uh, this was something that uh, made news over the weekend over the St. Patrick's weekend and it was a UK survey first of all and they were looking for the top TV couple by way of soap or drama. And in the UK, it was Frank Butcher and Pat Butcher. They were voted the best. Uh, number one from EastEnders. They followed by the neighbours' favourite Scott and Charlene, of course, played by Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue. And we were looking here for the Irish uh, favourites. And we have got a lot of people who've come back with their favourite uh, from the Irish world of drama and indeed soap. Uh, first of all, what I mentioned, Paul in Fair City and he had so many marriages and so many women over the course of that drama uh, Paul and Helen had to be the best for me says Marion while somebody else is saying Paul and Nicola of course he was with Nicola as well and didn't she leave Carrickstown to go to Ballycotton I think or she went to Cork anyhow at one stage and a lot of people going back to Glenrow and Biddy and Miley are coming out big on WhatsApp as are no name on this text but this person is saying it has to be Bingy and Maggie uh, for that person while Ed is saying 
saying my favourite TV couple has to go to Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. Yeah. Together, they were always fun and they're still on TV. Uh, somebody else, when I refer to Smother, looking at the more recent dramas, uh, they were saying, well, I don't know who you'd pair Val up with JP, uh, but this person feels we all need a Val in our life. Well, be careful with your knives if you have a Val in your life. Keep them away from her. Anyhow, your favourite TV couple, let us know. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A lot of calls coming in and we'll get to those very shortly. But uh, speaking of calls, some people got calls over the weekend and they were claiming to be from the revenue. We had a number of people uh, contacting us who were worried and were unsure of these calls because one person said they were quite threatening uh, but these are scam calls if you get these type of calls ignore them they're not from revenue they're a scam but one of them rang one of our phones here uh, so this is what you may receive on these scam calls if you get them but the best thing is to do ignore tax and customs please press one to speak with our tax agent we have found some mistake in your tax filing and your tax letter got returned back from your mailing address To get more information about this case, please press 1 and we are filing a legal case against you for tax fraud and issuing an arrest warrant. Kindly press 1 immediately and speak to our tax representatives. Now you can see if someone wasn't up to date with phones and you got that call you could be taken back the way it's phrased now it's obviously a computer generated voice but still uh, the way that voice is kind of demanding uh, and looking for this person to get back to them or, or press the button of course what happens is if you go on further with that call yes you get charged and that's where they make their money and then if you keep on going apart from the charge uh, they'll look for your bank details and that's where they uh, make their money unfortunately uh, with all of those uh, your views are welcome hopefully no one got caught but just basically ignore them there's a lot of scams going around at the moment uh, from Amazon call scams to that revenue one to so many across the weekend uh, I don't know do they target certain times of the month or what but there's a lot happening anyhow uh, so don't get caught out with those and when we were mentioning television there now, I didn't see this uh, actual programme as yet, but I will watch it. Uh, a person on text says, well done to Noel O'Leary on the programme that was on TG Carr last Thursday night. It was very sad, but very true. He's such an honest and pure gentleman. It wasn't easy for him to do that programme. Uh, I've still to watch that, but uh, the O'Leary family and indeed Noel, lovely people. We would have spoken to Noel many times over the years uh, from either a sporting point of view with the radio station or either uh, on this show for other matters. But uh, I will catch up on that. But I know a lot of people were saying the same when it comes to that show uh, that he took part on on TG Carr. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And Garda Bridget Hartnett from Bantry Garda Station will give a free talk on safety. That's going ahead in Bantry Library. It's on tomorrow night or tomorrow morning even at 11am. So that's 11am tomorrow morning and it's hoped that this will help community awareness with emphasis on supporting older people to be vigilant and safe in their homes and indeed in their community. And Shambhali More Bingo, that's going to be held in the community centre. That's on tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock. The jackpot there is €1,200. 
euro in 45 calls or less. And Mallow Daffodil Day Committee, they are looking for volunteers for their annual flag day collection. That's going ahead this Friday. And anyone with an hour or two to spare, you can enter your name on a roster sheet. And that roster sheet is based at McSweeney's Footwear on the Main Street in Mallow. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Final few comments in on homeschooling. This person on text, while they don't know enough about homeschooling, their concern would be about their child and that the child or children involved with homeschooling would not have pals outside their home. Uh, This person says, in their opinion, they need the interaction with others, including other adults and indeed other children on homeschooling. And while we spoke there about the ministers and what they are and what they are not doing, uh, somebody saying here, making the point that all the ministers took an opportunity of leaving the country for the long weekend, some with their partners instead of taking part in the parades in their local area like a lot of us did. A lot of the local committees put huge effort into the parades and some feel that the minister should have stayed in Ireland and attended the local parades and not been across the world. Anyhow, your views are welcome on that 0818103103. Now, earlier we spoke to the Baldy Barber, Mick Moriarty, on the expensive and high energy costs he received in his latest electricity bill and how so many other well-established businesses right across Cork are rethinking their future because of these high costs. David is in Clonakilty and he runs a butcher shop in Clon. Good afternoon to you, David. Hello, how are you keeping you well? I'm fine and, and thanks for ringing in with this because you heard us speaking with Mick earlier. Uh, your electricity bill, give us an example of what you have got in the last few months. Well, my, my last two now would have been under seven grand, you know, so an average one is about three and a half thousand for two months. Like it's ferocious, ferocious bills. Like. That is a huge amount of money and do you know what's costing you the most uh, in, in your butcher shop? Well, you see, with a butcher shop, your fridge is going 24 hours a day. So it's the fridge just like and the retail can, stores, yeah. yeah. You can't turn them off. You need them refrigeration for the foods, freezers, the whole lot. But it's the, it's the rate, you know, as the barber was saying earlier. It's the rate that you're paying per, per unit, you know. Yeah, and are you in a, a contract at the moment with an electricity supplier? We're in, we're in a contract already, yeah, but like contracts, that's another thing about contracts, you know. When, when your contract is up at the end of the year, one minute past 12, if you're on 27 uh, cent a unit, automatically it'll jump to whatever number they decide to put on it. It could be 60, it could be 70, and you won't know anything about that until you get your next bill two months later. Yeah, and Mick was the, saying that's that. That's one problem, you know. Yeah, Mick was saying he had 24 cents, I think, per unit. And then when he went through a new, it went from 24 to 45. And that was it. So he was going to see an increase, uh, as you uh, have outlined there for, for yourself as well. And what about this, uh, the, you know, the, the energy support grants available to businesses? Have you applied for that? Oh, did we apply for it? <laughs> Don't start me on that one. <laughs> Go on. We, we applied for it. I sent all our bills in. So I was assuming on my last two bills, I'll say 7,000. In any layman would say if it's gone up a thousand, we we'll get four hundred back. So we hung on and waited, and, we, and lo and behold, the revenue came in, and two hundred and thirty-eight euros is what we got back. I couldn't believe it, you know. And so I went back to the accountant, and I said, "Look," she looked at me, and I looked at her, and we said, "What is this about?" You know. So we um, apparently, because our bills went fifty percent over, we didn't qualify for it 
So we were 40 something percent over and we didn't qualify. There was only one part that the bill went 50 over and that's where we got the rebate on. So it doesn't work. And any, anybody I've asked or spoke to who are in business with, with humongous ESB bills, it's, it's not working for nobody. Nobody has got it. So for someone, for the likes of you or even those other smaller corner shops we spoke to who have those type of refrigeration units leading to the high bills, this kind of scheme isn't really uh, going to work for you. It's not working at all. It's, it's not. It's, it sounds great with the government saying they're giving forty percent. But what I'd like to do now is, if people who are listening, anybody who has got it, ring the radio station, and we get some idea or figure of who has got it or qualified for it. I was just talking to a colleague of mine there on the road in Pear Street. Another massive bill for her shop, eight and a half thousand. Massive bill. Eight and a half thousand electricity bill. Eight and a half thousand electricity bill. And, and what does she do? Her, well, I won't give her details away, you know, but I asked her did she apply for the scheme and she did and she got something like 400 quid back and hers was the very same. So 400 euros out of an 8,000 euro bill. Yeah, and you see, what I was saying, like, how is that, you know? Back, you must go back a year to get your old ESB bills so they can average it. Now, if your ESB bill has after been, uh, if they didn't give you a proper reading and it was estimated, well, your estimate is going to be very high anyway. So this is what they're going on. And you know, for you, when you received the €238, Euro, how long did it take, first of all, for you to get that back? Six, eight weeks, I'd say. Yeah, so if, you've a, if you're running a business and you're budgeting and you're paying bills, I mean, you, you can't really rely on that. I know it's welcome for some businesses who, who are getting it back, but it's still a, yeah. it's a, it's a long enough time uh, to be waiting. It's ridiculous. But you see, in our business, though, you know, in order to... Just keep a business afloat, you know. You go back to the basics and you say, right, how are we going to um, survive this, you know? So you, you, what we're doing now is we've, we've a balanced out to see what we need to run the shop. Forget about your profit, right, for now. So we'll have enough to pay the staff, pay the lighting, pay the suppliers, keep them going. And at, at the end of it then, yeah, to run it, to run it, so we don't close up, you know. And this is what the energy company should be doing. Because you're in the crisis now at the moment, they should be forgetting about the profit. And then when, the, when this emergency is over, when the war is over and prices go back to levels, well then start off again. But just keep enough to run so everybody survives because the way it's going now, there's going to be a tsunami of closures. I'm talking to so many people, so many businesses. And what I found was a lot of them don't want to talk about it. They don't want to put their hand up and say, do you know what, we're struggling where this is going to affect us hugely. It's going to be too late by the time something is done. And David, we heard Mick earlier and other business owners who have openly said they're dipping into their own savings to keep the actual shop or business afloat. Are you finding yourselves in that situation or, or do you know Absolutely, what there's there in plan? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'm, I'm here now 17 years. We opened up 17 years ago and we have never, ever had a bad... Uh, a bad year, like, you know, and we've never been in financial trouble or anything like that, you know. But the way if things keep going in 12 months' time, like, there's, there's, nobody can survive them bills. Nobody. And we all need the local shops like your, yourselves, the butchers and the news agents and, and, and others because when it comes to looking after the local soccer or rugby or J team or anything else outside of sport even, people go along to your shops for support to keep the Christmas lights up. Exactly. But if you're gone, who's going to be there? And we would be a big supporter of everything that's going on. In, in the town and that you know as much as we can and but what I'm saying what we need as well we need leaders 
somebody to lead the country to take on these energy companies and say, hang on a sec, lads. Something has to be done here. Profits are gone until this is sorted out, until we get the place back in some bit of proper kelter, you know? Yeah, and you mentioned the word leaders there, David. It's something that a lot of texts, it's a theme running through the programme and it's by pure accident today. Uh, we spoke regarding the fishing, we spoke regarding the evictions and energy and one thing that is coming back from all our listeners is that we do need leaders. Someone just needs to make a decision you know, straight away on this. When you see the energy companies, in your case, with their huge profits and then you have you and other businesses who are just struggling to pay. I mean, they're just massive bills. Everybody's receiving over you know three and a half thousand euros every two months and then you see the massive profits uh, companies right across the world are making and business wise David Clonacilty and, and your shop how are things at the moment we're good we're busy you know we've got a great business going like if it, if it wasn't going I wouldn't be here 17 mm. 18 years later you know and like the, the thing about it is you talk about leaders I just say on the 7th of March in the the private members business in Dáil Aaron if anybody wants to Go get back on the air player and, and watch that programme. It's the first time I've ever seen um, politicians spitting fire about this energy crisis. Every one of them were all on the same page. The first time I've ever seen it. Look back yourself now and look mm. at it. That they were, yeah, they, they, they all spoke about their annoyance and that they were unhappy with the way things were going and they, a lot of them referred to business owners they knew who were struggling. I, I do remember that, but yeah. while that was all spoken, David, nothing really came out of it. But that's what. But when I say it, I said definitely, maybe something will come out with this. Matthew McGrath, I was going to ring nine one one for him. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Richard O'Donoghue, you know the whole lot of them, the people before Prophet James Brown, the whole lot. I just thought this is it. Now someone has to stand up now and make a phone call. Let people know what's really happening on the ground with with shops and businesses. You know before it completely goes under. Yeah, and that, as you say there, while, while business is good, you'd hope for a good tourism season that will boost uh, the, the summer months. It's when we go back into the end of the year again and when shops that might have a lower electricity bill over the next few months, it will, it will increase again. It will always be high for you with the fridges, but for others, they, they may see that increase again towards the end of the year if nothing is done in the next few months. Yeah, somebody said to me now that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael stopped the, uh, the, the price of energy going back before COVID times, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure about that, but it's supposed to be true. We'll look it up and check that out. Well, that could but, be the, the, the windfall taxes is what's been uh, mentioned as well within the, the dial and within the government. And also then from the fuel side of things, you have the excise uh, duty slowly going on. So uh, there, there's a, a two-way road there on that, I suppose, in one sense. Um, David, I, I can wish you the best of luck with your business and hopefully you'll have a, 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 good, a good summer and, and a, a good year with the butchers well, in Clon. I hope now by, by making the phone call now, it, it encourages more people to ring your radio station and to give uh, we might get a proper picture of what is actually happening out there yeah we'll be sure maybe, maybe, maybe our leaders might get together and say challenge these companies or take it over themselves again and look after the people because that's what the job is is to look after the people so have people a national energy system let's say the ESB make it nationalise it for a year or two that's until what, things calm down said, one, of the, one of the TDs said it that night mm. on the 7th of March but you know they take it back over again the country is in a crisis with energy. I mean, that's what the job is. That's why we were elected. 
Okay, David, good point. Well, a lot of the politicians uh, would be in the constituencies today. It's, it's, it's a Monday, so they would be in the areas if they're listening. They can take on board what you have said and the, 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 I suppose the uh, truth of what is happening on the grounds and the realism of what is happening with small businesses right across Cork as we are hearing this morning. For the moment, David, best of luck it to is. you there well, in Connacilty. Just one point, the last yep. point I'm going to make. Like from, for us, for small shops, like just like the people who we buy the beef off, the, how the... Um, slaughterhouses and that their energy bills are going to weigh up too right so now they pass that on to us so now I'm paying I'm paying a, a part of their DSB plus my own and because of the rates go up so high we can't put the same level on the stuff that we're selling otherwise people won't come into the shops so we're getting double whammies if you know what I mean yeah, and are you afraid then as well because you have the big discount stores operating in Ireland that can sell meat at a cheaper price that you don't want to increase the prices too much in case, as you mentioned, you, you lose people to those type of stores and they may never come back? Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. Well, they're there anyway, you know. You, yeah. You deal with that anyway. But we kept our prices level so that people could shop. That's what I was saying to earlier. But you so can't keep... Run the business. You can't keep doing that, though, if things keep going Ah, no, but if enough to keep it running, you mightn't make a profit, but and then if until the energy prices come back you just revert to, to it again you know Yeah, and that's what the government should be doing yeah indeed yeah and that's especially exactly with, the, with the energy companies David I wish you best of luck for the future and best of luck to all there today in Clonakilty David joining us from the butcher shop Scully's of course there on Pier Street in Clonakilty we wish them well outlining the reality of what so many are facing you've heard earlier on as well today on the programme from Mick Moriarty the Baldy Barber he's known as in Blackpool and others who have contacted us from other industries your views are welcome you can email corktoday at c103.ie Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And we're off to the Health Hub in Ballincollig and we join Annalisa Giselle as we usually do on a Monday. Good afternoon to you, Annalisa. Good afternoon, John Paul. And we go straight into questions, a lot of them in. And first of all, Tash is in Ring of Skiddy and she has tinnitus, but she's wondering is there anything that you could recommend her to take? No, it's Tinnitus is a very difficult one, John Paul, and the only success we've really had with people and tinnitus is if it is generally after the result of an ear infection or maybe a bout of flu or vertigo where it has affected the inner ear canal and caused inflammation. So we can recommend supplements in that case. One of them is by One Nutrition. It's called P4 Immune. Um, It's a very high anti-inflammatory blend of particular kind of plant-based chemicals. Um, and we recommend that with, uh, it's actually a children's product. It's the uh, Nature's Plus Inner Ear for Kids because that's got a particular probiotic in there that's very specific to the inner ear. Um, so that's because we tried to cobble it together from an old one that I used to stock that was discontinued that had those items in there. And we have had some success with that. But I would say that if your tinnitus is very long term, it is going to be highly unlikely that that approach would work. If you do decide to try it, Take it for two months, and if you've noticed no improvement whatsoever, there's no point continuing on. Okay, Tash, hopefully that helps you there. And John, um, John is in contact. He has an enlarged prostate problem. He's on medicine for this, but the problem is the medicine is causing side effects. So he wants to know, is there any natural products that he can take? Yes, there are natural products that can help. So natural products actually work at the root level, John Paul. 
and they work to kind of decrease the inflammation that causes enlargement of the gland, the prostate gland. So you do need to give them a little bit of time to kick in. So the typical ones would be um, saw palmetto. Um, it's a very, very like common herb that's been used for years. So there's actually quite a lot of anecdotal and other research behind it. And you'd want to be taking that for at least two to three months before you'd notice the benefit. Stinging nettle is also very good. Uh, you can take that as well. Um, some of the supplements actually would have the two in there together. So I know that the Nutri-Advanced is one that we actually often recommend for um, for our customers and we get very good feedback on it. And also, I know Viridian do one as well. Okay, hopefully that helps uh, John there. And we have, uh, this is Amy. Amy wants to know, can you recommend anything for a teenager who gets rash on her face around the cheek area of her face? It goes during the summer months, but during the winter months, it seems to flare up. Okay, that's an interesting one. And it sounds to me like it's rosacea. Um, and But it's interesting that it just flares up in the winter time. So... I think probably a good resp- a good approach would be maybe to treat it as if it was rosacea. Um, and there's a couple of products that can help very well with that. There is a product called Oregon Grapefruit, which um, you can either apply onto the skin directly or you can take it internally. Um, and that can be very successful. Also, we've had some success with the Antiac product. It's by a, com- a company called Salcura, and they... This is great for teenagers because they do a face wash and they do a kind of a spray that acts as a good moisturiser as well. And that could help. Um, so she could try either of those. I know it's Viridian that do the Oregon Great Brute capsules and BAM. You'll get that in any health store and the Antiac you should as well. So give those a go. And if it's not, if either of those don't work, then it is some kind of an allergic dermatitis. And if it just happens in the winter, you're going to have to try and figure out what's happening then. And this person has abdominal pain. Now, they're wondering what you could recommend for this. They took honey and they're wondering, could honey be adding to the pain? It's basically, it feels like they have built up wind in their stomach and they're feeling extremely bloated from this. So any advice, Annalisa? It could be the honey. Um, It's not necessarily that the honey is the problem. It's that maybe there is a bacteria in the gut that is uh, fermenting the honey. The honey is very high in fructose and sugar. So if you get a lot of wind, generally what's happening are bacteria are actually fermenting carbohydrates and sugars, of which honey would be very high in. And the result is gas that can get trapped and bloat you and fill you up. So I'd say maybe give the honey a miss, but I think you probably need to look at supporting a healthy gut in this case. Um, There are products that can kind of do a good cleanse that get rid of bacteria that uh, overgrowth that do cause that fermentation so if the if the uh, cutting out the honey doesn't solve the problem you might like to try something like that and there's one called uh, Dida is a very good one you could take that for a couple of months it's a great for an internal cleanse and also taking a digestive enzyme can help it just helps break your food down a little bit more efficiently so that could be something else to try if you have any heartburn don't take one that has acid added but if you have no heartburn and you struggle to also digest kind of heavy meals with fats and proteins try and get one with acid in there and Maeve wants to know Annalisa if you can recommend anything for the menopause mood swings she's experiencing because she's feeling tired she's also feeling very down meaning she's feeling depressed anything you can recommend yeah absolutely John Paul like there is they would be very common symptoms Um, anxiety is another one that a lot of people start feeling when they become menopausal and it's really 
it's all down to hormone imbalance. So you can either choose to go down the HRT route, which your doctor might be able to prescribe you, or you can go down the natural HRT route. So we would have um, um, plant-based hormone supplements in our shop. And some of them have lovely things added for mood and for anxiety and for your good health. Revive Active launched one last year, and I have to say it's very good. I've tried it myself, and I find it great. Um, it's particularly for the menopause and it's very good as well if people have a lot of stress going on, busy lives, because it's got some other stuff that will support you through that as well. Um, Nutri Advanced, they do one called perimenopause uh, support. It's a, a magnesium supplement, so it's great for sleep at night time as well. And we consistently get excellent feedback. We've had that in the shop for a number of years. Um, and then even just as simple as a vitamin B6 high dose is very good for low mood and anxiety. That's hormone related. It doesn't seem to work as well for people who suffer from depression and anxiety. But if it's young girls coming up to their periods or young women, or if it's menopause, low mood and anxiety, or even just getting irritable, vitamin B6, you want about 50 milligrams a day of it. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, Maeve. And Joan is in Mallow. She wants to know, Annalisa, what do you recommend before in regards to cholesterol and whatever you recommend then? She's wondering, can she take it also for high blood pressure? Okay, so high cholesterol, there's two ways you can go. You can either take um, uh, red rice yeast, which actually mimics exactly what the statin drug does that the doctor would recommend for you. So that... um, is very effective at bringing down your cholesterol. And there's a couple of different ones that have got that in it. Cardio K is one. I know that Maconta, a lovely Irish company, they do a red rice yeast that's very good. We get good feedback on that. Um, also, Terra Nova is a lovely company, um, and they do a red rice yeast that's quite expensive, but we've had excellent feedback on it. So any of those would be very good to bring down your cholesterol, and they don't do anything for your blood pressure, unfortunately. So blood pressure is a little bit more difficult, um, Follow what we call the DASH diet, D-A-S-H. If you go online and Google the DASH diet, um, it'll give you exactly what, how, what you need to cut out and what you have to follow. And then in terms of supplements, things like, like magnesium, hawthorn, uh, potassium, CoQ10, they're all very good to help manage blood pressure. Uh, one nice supplement that we've used here is the Terra Nova, and that has got magnesium, hawthorn, and CoQ10 in there, which is also very good for blood pressure. But if you try it for a couple of months or even six weeks and it's not making any difference, you will definitely need to go on the tablet. And actually, most tablets um, have, have those tablets. They don't have very serious side effects anyway. OK, and this was from last week, Annalisa. We had a call in from Mary in Mitchellstown and I think we're going to do some research on this. She was asking about a product that's called Lignosis and it's to do with respiratory and breathing. And she was asking, it's supposed to be natural. She's asking, is it good and is it worth investing in? So there was another lady as well, um, John Paul, and she there was, was Elaine. about the mouth, the, back, the probiotic for the mouth, ProDentum. So I know these type of products, John Paul, people will often see the ads on Facebook. If, you, if this product hasn't been stocked in reputable health stores or on reputable online websites, it's probably a little bit of a swizz. Now, I've looked them both up. They're not bad products by any stretch of the imagination. So the lignosis is basically for your immune system. It's a blend of tiger milk, uh, mushroom, which is for beta-glucans, um, and they're very good to support the immune system, and then a bit of passion fruit extract, which is good for vitamin C for the immune system. The problem is, is that it's exceptionally expensive. I can't find out anywhere on the website how much of the product is in there, so I don't know if it's even a good quality one. And you'd easily get something half the price in your local health shop. Um, so anything that's going to just sell that only one product, if they make you listen to a, 
a video for an hour or half an hour. And if they offer you kind of a bundle for three months and you can't buy it anywhere else except on that on that website, just don't trust it. Ask your local health shop. They'll come up with something probably better quality and far cheaper. The same goes for the probiotic for the mouth. It's not a bad product, but there's nothing special in there and it's exceptionally expensive for what you're spending. So again, go into your local health shop. You can show them the product and they'll match something for you that's similar but much better value. And again, just be careful of what you see on social media and indeed online. As you say, go in and get it checked out first. Uh, for the moment, Annalisa, uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll chat to you again Paul. next week. Take care. Annalisa Giselle there from the Health Hub in Ballancolic. You'll find her on the healthhubstore.com and we'll podcast this section as well. If you missed anything, you can rewind, pause and listen back on c103.ie or indeed on the C103 app. We mentioned sports there earlier and Jim is in Clonakilton. He wants to wish a congratulations to jockey Brian Hayes for from Ross Carberry on his win in Cheltenham on uh, Friday last. Yes, indeed. Well done, Brian. Uh, great success all around, really, at the weekend when it came to sport. And then we were mentioning electricity uh, with uh, David in Clonakilty. Uh, this is Kathleen in the city who says, electricity with a number of exclamation marks. She says, John Paul, I went back to paper bills as I feel I can judge the units better. So I did cut back on a lot of things, but I was not at home for over a week at Christmas, but got a massive bill. Now I just got a new bill and it's half the previous one. It just really makes one wonder what is going on. You'd have to think. Also, we have all these electric gadgets such as air fryers and more. But at this stage, they will be ornaments. We'll be afraid to plug them in, says Kathleen in the city on WhatsApp to 086 Hi to Anna asking, does Annalisa do online orders? She does, Anna. Check out her website, healthhubstore.com and she's based in Balancolic. And somebody else asking, are the clocks going forward this weekend? They are this weekend weekend, Saturday into Sunday morning. The clocks will go forward by one hour. That's it today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. We'll chat to you tomorrow morning again at 10am with Tuesday's Cork Today. Have a great Monday. I'm John Paul McNamara. Take care.